welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 2nd of October 2016, entitled, What's the Difference? And the Bible reading is taken from Exodus chapter 11, verse 7. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Exodus chapter 11, verse 7. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that ye may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, you know that there is much here that we could gain from today, but we pray that during these next moments, Lord, that you would help us to be able to gain that which we need today because you know every heart you know, every person that is here, and you knew that before you laid this passage upon our hearts. So now, Lord, we pray that you would do the speaking through the power of your Spirit, through the might of your Word. We give you the praise and the honor for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. I'd like to read uh, this passage for you to get this context. We just read in verse 7 that God was speaking and God is course, we'll get the full context in a moment, but God is making a very strong statement that not even a dog is going to be able to move its tongue against his people, against man or beast that belongs to him, so that everybody can know that the Lord, God himself, has put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. So I want you to think on this question, and hopefully we'll be able to at least partially answer it this morning, if God has put this difference between these people, what's the difference? What's the difference? What has God put between these people? Let's back up and let's get the context of the reading, beginning in Exodus chapter 11, verse 1. The Lord said it to Moses, yet will I bring one plague more Upon Pharaoh. Now he's brought all these plagues already and he's been going and saying, Let my people go, and Pharaoh has not done it. God here comes to Moses and I'm going to bring one more plague upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Not only has he not let you go, but after this, he will let you go, and he will be eager to get rid of you, to get you out of here. Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord God gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon the, his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beast. There should be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there were, was none like it, nor shall be like it anymore. This is what he's bringing upon the land of Egypt. 
But against any of the children of Israel, against his own people, shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that ye may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. God is going to bring his judgment upon the nation of Egypt. Now, sometimes men may sit back and see that as a negative thing, but I hope before we finish today, you'll see just how positive that it was. But against God's people, amidst all of this, when people are crying out like they never have in their lives, God puts a difference between them and his people. Nothing is going to touch his people. He says, and all these thy servants shall come down unto me and bow down themselves unto me, saying, get thee out and all the people that follow thee. And after that, I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in a great anger. The Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh. And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of his land. Now, there's a lot that could be asked there and a lot that could be answered. Why did uh, God harden the heart of Pharaoh? Time and time and time again to this point, he's gone to Pharaoh and he's spoken to Pharaoh through his servant Moses. But Pharaoh's never listened. He's never listened. He's never listened. And now God says, okay. Now at this point, I'm going to harden his heart so that my will will be accomplished for my people and that all of these others, all these that are not his, will be able to see the hand of God at work. Without that, they would never listen. They would never see. They haven't after all of these plagues that have come. He goes on in, in, in verse 12 and he says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. This is such an important thing. He's saying, Moses, when I let my people go, life begins anew for you. When you're released, life begins anew. This is going to be the first month of the year for you. When this happens, it all starts over. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for one house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. The whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden it all with water, 
but roast with fire. His head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. You're not to stew it. You're not to cook it any other way. It's to be roasted whole. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Now, he goes on in verse 12, and he says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now these next verses I'm not going to read, not because they're not important, but I want us to jump down to uh, verse 21. You get some descriptions here of the Passover and, and all that's supposed to be taking place there. But in verse 21, we pick up, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. Moses, you're to take this hyssop, you're to put it in the blood, you're to strike it above the doorpost, and you stay inside, you stay under cover, you don't go outside of that cover until the morning. Why? For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. Ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, according as he hath promised, that you shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? That ye shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the house of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses, and the people bowed the head in worship. The children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. It came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called from Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get ye forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as ye have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as ye have said, and be gone, and bless me also." The Egyptians were urging upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We be all dead men. The people took their dough before it was leavened, their 
kneading troughs, being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required. And they spoiled the Egyptians. The children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 on foot that were then beside children. And a mixed multitude went up also with them in flocks and herds, even very much cattle. They baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they brought forth out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not tarry, neither had they prepared for themselves any victual. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. That is, that night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. The Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover there shall no stranger eat thereof, but every man's servant that is brought for money, when they have circumcised him, then shall he eat thereof. A foreigner and an hired servant shall not eat thereof. In one house shall it be eaten. Thou shalt not carry forth aught the flesh abroad of the house, neither shall ye break a bone thereof. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee and will keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. One law shall be to him that is home-born and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. Thus did all the children of Israel as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. And it came to pass the Lord, the selfsame day, that the Lord did bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies. So we find that we read this tremendous account of what has taken place here. And of course, as we look through these things, there's so many things we could grasp. But I want us to think, because if you remember last Sunday, as we were celebrating harvest, we were talking about Sukkoth. That was in Scripture where the first harvest was celebrated. And, of course, the nation of Israel at this point came to commemorate not just the harvest that had been brought in, but the Lord setting them free from their bondage in the land of Egypt. God said, I'm going to put a difference. God's going to bring judgment upon the sin. But God is going to put a difference between what does Egypt signify in Scripture time and time again? The world. And we find the nation of Israel, which is God's people. So I'm going to put a difference between the world and between those that belong to God. We find that judgment is going to come upon one and deliverance for the other. You see, we find uh, that first of all that it was God's promise that they were thinking on God's promise. God promised that he was going to put a difference. And so I want us just to think of something. It's a very, very simple truth this morning. And, and really, the Bible is showing us here two different households and that God has put a difference between them. If, if you would, the, the one household, it will say that the, that the household on, on this side, it's God's household. This is the house for all of God's people. And yet there's another house over here, which is the household of, of Egypt, which, which typifies the world. And so this is a household in the world 
without God. They're both households. They're both just everyday normal people like you and I. They're getting along. We find here that even the Egyptian people, the, the ones that were in the world, they, 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 they liked God's people. God's people had found favor with them. They were, they were getting along with each other. They were living together. But there came this time of judgment. God says, I'm going to put a difference between the people of the world and the people that belong to me. Judgment is going to come. Judgment must come. But my people are going to be set free. They've been, they've been in bondage for 430 years at this point. And you see, we've looked many times before. The truth is, is that each and every one of us, that's part of the problem. We are in bondage to this world. We're bound by this world, by the things of the flesh and the joys of this flesh and all those things that, that Satan uses uh, to bind us down, to keep us there, that we may not be set free. God promises, I'm going to put a difference between the household to the world and the household that belongs to God. And God has a plan. He says here in, in verse 3, and the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. God moved on the hearts of the people. God began to work on the hearts of the people, not just his people, but even the people in the world. They were going to be receptive of what God wanted to both the people and to God's messenger. The message was already made clear. You see, the message, first of all, was given to God's people. But that message that was given to God's people now it's going to be made known to the world as well. The world is going to know. They're going to hear the message. They're going to know what God's people already know. God had a plan to move on the hearts of the people. And at the same time, we find that in order for God's purpose to be fulfilled here, though he moved on the hearts of all the people, including the people of the world, that they would have favor with God's people, he moved on the heart of Pharaoh that he actually hardened his heart. Pharaoh had been given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to listen to God, to do as God was heeding. But he kept saying no. He kept saying no. He kept saying no. The world wasn't letting go. The world wouldn't let go. God said, I'm going to harden his heart. He's wasted his opportunity. And we find that God's performance was going to be different. God was going to perform judgment on the household of the world, but deliverance to his children. I'm asking you today to stop and think. You see, we're all families. We're all people. And sometimes even the hearts of the people, we can have favor one with another in all of this. But God, the very message that you and I have is the very message that all the world needs to know as well. And the world needs to be given that, that opportunity to Respond to that. What is the difference that is made? Well, God does put a difference. And if I may put it very, very, very simply, if you want to, this answers the question so you can all get up and go. <laughs> the difference, the blood of the Lamb. <laughs> the blood of the Lamb. God said, I'm going to put a difference between the household of the world and the household that belongs to me. The difference is the blood of the Lamb. And we've read several verses that give us that, these verses giving them specific instructions upon where that blood was to come from, how that blood was to be applied, and that when that blood was applied, the Lord would protect them. 
the Lord would protect them. Remember that he told them to, to put this blood on the doorpost above their doors, but they needed to stay under the cover. They needed to stay under the blood, not to go out, because God's judgment was coming upon the world, but there was a difference. The difference was the blood that was put on that doorpost. You see, when we think of that difference, there's a difference in the sacrifice. In Proverbs chapter 15, can the world sacrifice things? Of course they can. Can the world sacrifice things for each other? Of course they can. Can the world sacrifice things in order to try to have a relationship with God? Of course they can. But in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 8, the Bible says the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The sacrifice, there's a difference because of the blood. There's a difference in the sacrifice of the world than there is in the sacrifice of God's people. You see, the sacrifice of the world, they come up with their own sacrifice and they, they could be great sacrifices. You say, well, isn't that kind of an ungrateful God? If, I mean, they're sacrificing all these things and yet it's not good enough for him? Folks, if there had been anything in this world that was sufficient sacrifice for your sins or for anybody else's sins, Jesus Christ would not have had to come himself and die upon the cross and shed his blood for that sacrifice to be sufficient. The world's sacrifice is an abomination because when you try to say that something else is sacrificed enough or ought to be sacrificed enough to take care of your sins, to have a relationship with that holy God, then you're belittling the sacrifice of Jesus Christ himself, his blood, because you say that's not necessary. Something else will do. Much of the world is trying to find something else that will do, and it can be with the best of intentions. But it's an abomination to God <laughs> because you're saying that sacrifice is sufficient to replace the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on Calvary. You see, what did he say there in verse, verse 12? He said in, 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 in verse 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. You see, Sin condemns us. Sin can only condemn. But Jesus Christ didn't come to condemn. He came to save. He didn't come to bring condemnation. His sacrifice was come to set you free from all that holds you. And no matter what you try to sacrifice to break free from the world to get to him, there's a difference in the sacrifice. It's the blood of the lamb that makes the difference. That's the only sacrifice. That's the blood. Because he died as a substitute for you. The only thing that sin can bring is death. Will you think back, I don't know, a couple of months back, when I suggested to you that when we begin to understand and comprehend the depths of sin to a holy God, we take sin so lightly so many times. We rationalize it, we excuse it, we do all these things. And yet, sin is what destroyed God's creation. Why does God hate sin so much? 
Sin is what destroyed you. Sin is what brought death to all of his creation. It's the sin curse. When death, when sin entered in, death came with it. God doesn't want death for you. God breathed into you life, and he wants you to have life that will last for all of eternity. But sin destroys that. One sin. One sin is all it would take. One sin, Garden of Eden, destroys all of earth and all of creation until that sin is dealt with. <laughs> one sin. It's not because of unlock. If God let one sin into heaven, he would be destroying everything that is there because when sin comes, death comes with it. Remember, remember, life. God is love and God is life. That's the only place that life can exist. All life came from God and God gave us that life. Sin came and separated us. Separation from God means death. It's not because God wants you death. It's because you've been separated from life. He is life. But sin separates you. Sin brings up that barrier. Sin gets in the way. Sin is what brings death. Not because God wants it for you, but because God isn't there because sin has divided you. We find that there was no other sacrifice. You see, God is bringing judgment on the sin. But there's only one way. There's only one way that God can both set you free and forgive you of your sins. Be just in all of this. And that's by dealing with the sin. It doesn't matter if you're sorry and you never want to commit it again. Well, what about the sin that's already there? What happens? Sin brings death. God wants that dealt with. The difference is in the sacrifice. This household over here, the sacrifice that they bring to God, no matter what they try to do, it's an abomination to God because it's saying that the blood of Jesus isn't needed, that you found some other way, some other way to deal with this. But God's people, the sacrifice is different because the sacrifice is the blood of Jesus Christ himself. That symbolism of the lamb without blemish. That was a symbolism. You see, anybody that's ever been saved in Scripture has been saved by the blood of the lamb, which is Jesus Christ. Why was it when all those Old Testament saints, you see, they, they practiced this Passover year after year after year after year. They brought the lamb. They brought the sacrifice. We find it was symbolic. <laughs> the Bible tells us that when Jesus Christ died on the cross and he shed his blood, that he descended into hell, into Hades, and he set those captives free. Why? Because they could not enter into heaven until the blood of the only lamb that would wash away their sins, the blood of Jesus Christ, allowed them to enter in because their sin no longer existed today. The difference, loving households, people doing the same things and getting on with their life, but the Lord's put a difference there. <laughs> And that difference, first of all, is in the sacrifice. We see it here in the scriptures, the sacrifice of God's people, the blood that was put on the doorpost. There's a difference in the shelter. You see, everybody lives in their own shelters, <laughs> and it shelters them against the things of this world. But we find that the difference is, is that the only shelter that the Egyptians had, the only shelter that the world has 
is the shelters that they can build themselves, the shelters that they could put up there. That shelter would not protect them. When the death angel came through that night, it couldn't protect them because it could pr protect them against maybe the natural elements, but it could not protect them against the spiritual elements. In Psalm 61 and verse 3, Psalm 61, verse 3, the Word of God says this. It says, For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. The difference is in the blood. There's a difference because of that in the sacrifice. And the only sacrifice that is sufficient is Jesus Christ. The world doesn't have it. They can try everything else. The difference is in the shelter. You see, that night they were told, don't go outside. Don't stay. Stay under the shelter. Stay where the blood has been applied. Stay there. Because if you go outside, there's judgment out there. The only shelter, when, when God came to bring that judgment upon the sin, it was the blood of the Lamb. They made that shelter. The houses looked the same, didn't they? They were built right along beside each other. They were in the same neighborhood. They were, they were maybe next-door neighbors in a lot of the cases. The, the Bible says they found favor with one another. They were living with one another. They were to go to their neighbors to borrow the silver and the gold before they left the way so they would have what they needed for their journey. Those neighbors were in the world. See, the physical appearance may be the same. But the difference in the shelter, the difference that God puts there in the lamp, the blood of the Lamb, is the difference that protects you spiritually. Without that, you can't build a shelter. You can't build a shelter that will protect you against this world, the things of this world, the spiritual enemies that are coming against you. There's a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference in the sacrifice, the shelter. There's a difference in the security. People, people like to feel secure. It's a natural feeling. You want to feel that you've got what you need and that it's going to be there and that you're going to be able to pay your bills and that something's not going to come along next week that's going to take away your home and take away the things that you need. People like to feel secure where they are. Well, you've got this Egyptian home. Now, they've heard the message of God. Every one of them were given the message. They were told, but they haven't heeded it. They're not really, you're not really taking this stuff seriously, are you? <laughs> I mean, you're telling me that God's judgment is going to come? That there's going to be a funeral in every house in the land? <laughs> you don't really believe all that stuff, do you? Find that... There might be one in that household that has a little bit more fear than the other one. Who do you think that might be? The firstborn? <laughs> They've heard that the firstborn is the one that's going to go, you know. I mean, he, he, might, he might be in this, in this worldly house, and he might think, boy, I sure hope there's nothing to this. I sure hope that there's nothing to all this stuff because it's not them that's going to have to pay. It's me. <laughs> it's me. You find that... Now, the, first, the firstborn in this house might have been a little bit worried too. Whew, boy, I sure hope this stuff is right. <laughs> I'm the firstborn. I sure hope that that blood on the mantle is going to protect me because I don't want to face that judgment. 
You see, it only gets personal, a lot of times real personal, when you're the one facing the judgment. It was the firstborn that had the most to lose here. Yes, there was going to be a lot of sadness and a lot of crying and a lot of upset people. But the firstborn is the one that's going to be gone. He's paid the ultimate price. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that the Lord put a difference between the household of the world and the household that belonged to God. Because of the blood of the Lamb, there was a difference in the sacrifice. There was a difference in the shelters. Only one would truly protect them. There's a difference in the security because, again, truly, the only security that we have is in the protection that God gives us. There's nothing else. We all are facing a lot of elections and things like this with the politicians and those that are in control of, of all this power that they have at their fingertips. There's not enough nuclear bombs and enough armies in this world to protect you against the hand of God when he moves through. Don't kid yourself. Yes, take part. Yes, cast your vote. But in the end, I promise you, it's God that's in control. And it's God the one that you need to be trusting. And it's God that's your only shelter. And the difference in these, in these homes is that the home in the world doesn't have that protection. But God's families do. The shelter is different. There's a difference in the service too. In chapter 12, verse 31, the Bible tells us, and he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, rise up and get you forth from among the people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as ye have said. There's a big difference because really, when you're in this household of the world, when you're still in Egypt, then really you can only serve yourself. You can serve uh, other people. You can maybe even serve your Pharaoh, but you can't serve God. There's a big difference in who it's important to serve. God's people have been told, go serve the Lord. Now, yeah, don't expect the world to understand that. Don't expect them to understand you being more concerned about serving God than about serving your own self and your own goods and your own person, your own flesh, your own pleasures, serving God. And of course, one of the great ways that we serve God is by serving each other, serving others. But we find that there's a big difference. There's a difference that has been put. The Lord is the one that has put that difference. There was a huge difference in the supper they were eating that night. <laughs> you see, stop and think again. They were all enjoying themselves. They were all having this food to eat, each one in their own homes, the homes in the world, the homes that belong to God. They may have been enjoying plenty and feasting on all these things, but they were very, very different indeed because the supper that the world was eating was just Maybe a final bit of enjoyment, bit of pleasure. But guess what? The next day they were going to be facing a funeral. The next day they were going to be facing the judgment. But 
the supper that was being eaten in God's place, even though they were eating lamb and unleavened bread and these things that they had, their supper was looking to something greater. <laughs> their supper was looking beyond this world. It was looking to, as a matter of fact, they were going to keep celebrating that supper for generation after generation after generation, what? To remember the night that they were set free. The night that God came through and the day that they were set free when they were set free from the bonds of Egypt and left to go into the promised land. Now, some people think that the promised land is heaven. I think the promised land is what God's given us here. <laughs> there were still giants in the promised land. There were still things that had to be overcome in the promised land. God helped them to overcome those things. In this world, God has promised to be with us it's when we're in God's house, when our house is protected by him. Folks, the Lord put a difference between the homes of the world and the homes that belong to God. My encouragement to you today is please recognize we have sung about it in the hymns that we've sang and the songs that we've sang. The difference is in the sacrifice, the blood of the lamb. That's what made the difference. That's the only sacrifice that is sufficient. It will take away your sin. Your sin is what separates you from God. If you're a lost person, you can never enter into the presence of God with your sin. So he sent the sacrifice that would pay for your sins, that would cover your sins, even to the point as if you'd never sinned before. Not because that in the flesh that you're that different, you're just people like everybody else. The difference is there. Is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You see, it wasn't just enough that they killed the lamb. The sacrifice was dead. But the blood of the lamb had to be applied. It had to be applied. That's when the protection came. That's when the difference came. That was the difference in the two households. This one was covered by the blood of the lamb. This one was covered with all of man's own doings. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, all the difference in the world, all the sacrifice in the world, please grasp and understand. The God of love has given you life and he wants you to live forever. He wants you to, to know it, not only to give you life, but to give you life more abundantly. He wants you to enjoy the life that you've got right now. Now, you can sit there just like the Egyptians, and you've got the same choice. You can ignore it. You can think that there's nothing to it. You can think that it's not going to happen to me. You can think whatever you want. Or you can respond to it as God wants you to. God gives you that choice. He does everything that needs doing. Maybe today, maybe he's just wanting you to just stop and listen. Maybe you, maybe you just haven't really thought about it serious enough. Maybe the blood needs to be applied in your life. Maybe you're here and you are a Christian. Maybe, maybe you've been out from under the shelter. <laughs> maybe you've gone back out into the world. You know, you know what? God doesn't love you one bit less. It's impossible for him to. I, I can't grasp and understand how we can, we can do so much against him, and yet he can't love us any less. He loves you perfectly. He loves you more than life itself. He loves you enough that he gave his life to give you life, and he still loves you today. But maybe today, 
Maybe you just need to recommit him. Why did he want them to keep doing this as a memorial? To remember where they came from. To remember the bondage of the world that he had set them free from. Don't allow yourself to be tied up by those things. The world, he set you free from that. The difference is in the blood. God has put a difference between you as his child and the one in the world. He wants them to listen. He's given them the message. But they've got to be willing to listen. And you know, in the very close of this, they even made comment there of the visitors, the sojourners, when they came in, they could partake of this too. Those that weren't maybe naturally born that way, but they came into the, into the Jews' home and they were there. But first they had to be circumcised. First they had to take on the sign of God. First they had to belong. And then he says it was as if they'd never been a stranger anyway, as if they were just born here, as if they were just naturally there. When you come to Christ, it don't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what the past is because Jesus is sufficient. Now, it does come down to faith and it does come down to believing. But today, you can't change God's love for you. Father, I thank you today, Lord, that Lord, as we've just tried to look at this simple thought, you said that you put a difference between Egypt and Israel, between the household of the world and the household that belongs to you. You put a difference there. And Lord, we realize that the thing that makes the difference is the blood. We know that we live in a day when even in many of our sister churches out there that they don't like to talk about the blood. The hymns have been taken out of the hymn books. And, but, Lord, the blood is what makes the difference. It's a different sacrifice, the only sacrifice that's sufficient. God, I, I wish if there, was, if there was something that I could do or say, something that would make a difference today, Lord, Lord, I would do it. But in the end, you know my heart. I know that you impressed this message, and I know that it's for somebody here today. I pray, Lord, that it would not just fall on deaf ears, that it would not just be a message that they are hearing but not responding to. But I pray that you would work in the hearts as only you can. I know. I know how much you love them. I know that you want, Lord, you want them to accept the sacrifice, the blood of the Lamb, to be applied to their lives, to their hearts, to their shelter that they live in down here, or that you would take and speak to their hearts and help them to see and believe and trust in the only thing that will allow that difference to be put between them and this world. Of course, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.